Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a formal? But that hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Our guest today is Jamie Varon, an author, designer, and digital course creator. Her first book, Radically Content, is a best-selling memoir that was named one of the most anticipated books of 2022 by Pop Sugar and was featured as Book of the Week in Maria Shriver's The Sunday Paper. Her writing has also appeared in Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, and Thought Catalog. I first found Jamie's writing on Instagram when a celebrity or an influencer or someone I followed shared one of her posts with amazing advice, such as, I don't care if you live your best life. I hope you don't just aim for best and instead aim for full, whole, ever evolving, unconfined, and unrestrained. Or my personal favorite that I actually made an Instagram caption, find a way to fall in love with your life so intensely that watching another person love theirs is a confirmation, not a threat. I love Jamie's work. I wanted to ask her so much from her own healing journey to how she practices manifestation to how she became so, quote, radically content. Because at the end of the day, the purpose of our lives is just to enjoy it, to be content. That's it. But how many of us can actually say that we truly are content? So I asked Jamie for all of the answers. Let's get into it. Every red lipstick I pick, I swear, I'm like, this has got to be good. I've tried a Chanel one. I've tried like all the brands and then they always look stupid on my face. But yours looks so good. That is like the perfect color. You have to try it on your hand because it matches your skin. And so it has to like match your skin color really well. I mean, duh, that would be a good thought. Yeah, especially because red, like depending on your undertones. Red's hard. It is hard. My mom was a makeup artist. So your mom was a makeup artist. Yeah. So I learned that a lot about. That is so cool. You had a lot yeah. of good tricks. Oh yeah. I was her guinea pig for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That is so cool. So I learned about colors. I bet. Well, you're lucky because most of us were just like, we were like 14 and we're like, I guess we should put on some mascara. It did not <laughs> look awful. So like you really lucked out. You had a leg yeah. up on all of us. Yes. And then it turned out that like, I don't even love makeup that much as much as her. And I was like, of course that would happen. You know, I got really <laughs> sick of it. I could have, I could have had a TikTok empire from all the things that Seriously. I know. Seriously, <laughs> I went a totally different direction. I know things. Yeah. I like, know yeah. things. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. We could have been a mother daughter duo, you know, like you think of those I mean, parallel lives. Been? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it could have been. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I mean, honestly, I am glad that you didn't go the makeup artist route because you're here because I want to talk to you about everything that you're writing and all the inspiration that you are offering to people. So, you know, cool for you to have that set of skills, but I'm glad that you went in a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Evergirl podcast. I am so excited to have you here. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into it. On Instagram, I typically get very annoyed with kind of the inspirational posts, like people like repost something that's like, live your best life or like, and every time I'm like, this is such just so cliche, like, duh, like, of course, you know, and, and I don't know, most inspirational content to me kind of feels like cliche, stale. When I first saw one of your posts, I think like a celebrity or influencer or someone shared it, I was so blown away, like the level of inspiration you offer while still being something so fresh that is making people think really, really, really clicked with me. So I just have to tell you like how as a writer, I'm obsessed with your writing and it really is so amazing how much you are making people think and you're rethinking the way that our culture in itself is is kind of what we're accepting to this point. So I just want to like give you a little like build up to say like, thank you for being here because I am personally a fan. And when you reach out over Instagram and I was like, Jamie Barron just followed me on Instagram. I feel so cool. So thank you for, again, this is just kind of like my fangirl moment. I'm a big fan. So thanks for joining me. (laughs) Thank you. That's so sweet. I mean, I I feel the same way. Like most self-help inspirational stuff makes me roll my eyes. So I feel like that's probably why... I gather a lot of the people who feel similarly because I'm just like, yeah, it's never that easy. That's way too cliche. No, no, no. Like I'm just, I'm very critical about that stuff. So I totally get it. And I really accept that compliment because it's uh, very important to me to reach the people who are more skeptical. um, Maybe not as like, I was just born in a happy mood. I'm like, I was not. I was born in like, a terrible mood, apparently. (laughs) I was just like a negative complainer, pessimistic type of person. Um, So my optimism and positivity is very hard one. Okay. That's, I'm glad that you went there already because I'm dying to hear about your healing journey. I know it's something you've kind of touched on in your website, and your book. Can you take us from the very beginning? So it sounds like you were not always this wise is the word I want to say, but like, how did you go from that person to who you are now? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big part of why I do this with so much passion is just because this didn't come naturally to me. I was very insecure growing up. High school is like the worst time ever. You know, I was not cool. I was not, I felt very, uh, just, like a lot of self-hatred, a lot of self-loathing for various reasons. I never felt like I was good enough. You know, for years, I would kind of like write for a second. And then if I put something out there that got like one bad comment or something, I would like give up for two years, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I was just trying to figure out like a big, a big turning point for me was turning 30. And I had this moment of realization of just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I not doing the things that I really want to do? And why am I not happy? Like I keep achieving, I keep doing things that other people think are really impressive. Like people think I'm successful, whatever that means. And I don't feel good. Like I don't feel good about myself. This hasn't clicked in, you know, that moment where you think, 
once I get the viral post or once this happens or once this happens, I'll finally feel good. And um, it just never came. And so I really started having this journey of being like, then what is it? You know, what's the alternative? I've been trying to hustle my way into feeling like good about myself. I've been trying to outrun all of these like negative perceptions of the world, feeling very like, why won't the world change for me? You know, I'm very sensitive to that. And I was just like, there's got to be a better way. And I have personally not found it. And I didn't know that it existed. And so I just started kind of thinking on my own, doing a lot of journaling, doing a lot of like just excavating with myself and just being honest with myself. Like that was what it really was. It was like, I have to tell myself the truth, like how I really feel about myself and not keep it you know, I, w- I felt like I was kind of living like this half-life. I didn't want to try too hard and find out that like I wasn't good enough or put myself out there too much that then I could get rejected and being just afraid. Like I was like, I'm living based on my fear. So I had to shift everything just to live with myself and start doing some of the things that were really important to me. And it started with being very honest with myself. You know, a lot of people, I kind of had this idea that like, you know, you go from like one place and then you somehow just like decide to love yourself. And I was like, I realized there's like a million steps in between that of like, you have to even, even before you can love yourself, you have to even like trust yourself, think that you're, that you have any kind of importance or value in the world. And unfortunately we're not really taught that we do have importance and value, which is why, like I started you know, my healing journey, it was part of my past. Like I had to look into my past, but I also started to look at like collectively, what have I learned as, you know, a person in the world, as a woman, as um, a woman with my body type, all these types of things that I was like, these are all intersecting identities, which is why I think my writing resonates is because I'm not just like blaming the person. There's an actual system at work here. And that was something that was very freeing to me. And so the healing journey was both parts. It was like my own stuff that I had learned and taken on these like limited beliefs. And then it was also recognizing that like my doubt had room to grow because society teaches me to doubt myself. And my feelings of inadequacy had room to grow because I'm taught constantly in order to buy some sort of like fix that I'm never good enough. And so I had that in my own life, but then I also had it like systematically, it was um, told to us over and over and things like, you know, obsession with productivity and thinking that achievement is the, the end all be all. And once you get the dream job and the dream life and the dream this and the dream partner and all of this, that it all lines up and you never have a bad day ever, ever again. That's the end of the movie. Bye. You ride off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's it. like, Ooh, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I was like, okay, so I can let go of this idea that one day it all works. And you know, there's no one day you're just in your life every single day. And, you know, talk to, people of all different kinds of levels of um, visibility and success and fame. And they all say the same thing that like, you don't, it doesn't change you the way that people think. And we are hustling for some, for like a, a lie and that we're all, a lot of us are really more focused 
on how our life looks as opposed to how it feels, like especially in the social media generation. That's how I was feeling. That's how I was like, oh, if it looks like I'm doing well, then it doesn't matter how it feels. And then I was like miserable. And so I had to shift all of that, you know, like basically for years doing the exact opposite of what I thought would make me happy and what I thought would bring fulfillment and completely switched it, you know? Um, So that was like, that was a big part of the healing journey was unlearning all of this stuff that I had been, you know, all of these investments that I felt like I was making for some future happiness. I was like, oh, okay. So none of these are going to pay off. Like none of these are going to actually pay off. I'm not going to get a return on my investment. So I might as well just be figure out how to be happy right now, right here. I love that way of saying it, that it's like, you're not going to get the return on investment. And like, what are we waiting on the investment even for? Why not put all that into right now and how we feel right now? And what you're saying is so true. I think all of us have had the experience of We go into that mindset of, well, once I'm this, I'll be happy. Once I'm in a relationship, once I get a promotion, once I lose weight, once I, all of these things, then I'll feel really good. And we also have all of the experience where we're like, when we get to that point that we think will make us happy, but it's like looking back on at one time, all that you wanted was to be where you are right now. And we forget that because when we achieve this, like even when I'm thinking like I moved to LA and I still am thinking of onto the next, onto the next, on the next. 16-year-old me would have been like, that's the freaking coolest thing ever that you moved to LA, but we forget to actually feel it. Like, so you're so spot on in saying that we are focusing on how our life looks rather than how it feels for us. I'm very curious how turning 30 for you made that difference. Cause it you clearly are very self-aware and did a lot of work. What was it about turning 30 that made you do that work and and kind of have that almost like aha moment self-awareness? Well, I mean the For some reason, I didn't even realize that I had some idea of how my life was supposed to look at 30. You know, it kind of snuck up on me. And then I was like, well, I'm a failure. So I failed. And to me, it was like 30 is the moment that you realize that you're not getting the life that you thought you would get. And I now I'm like 37. I'm like, that's just hilarious. Like there's so (laughs) much after 30. I mean, you're not supposed to figure it out by 30. Like even that's another thing where I'm just like, that was not on me. That was taught to us so many times generationally. Like even recently, a few months ago, I rewatched some of The Nanny and it's like an old show, you know, a show from the 90s. Love The Nanny, yeah. Love The Nanny. But she is so obsessed with age, you know, and her life is over if she turns 30. Granted, you know, she's older in the show. She's already past 30, but, you know, she pretends like she's not. And I'm like, oh, so this is just pervasive. Like we get these messages over and over at something, something as innocuous as like a sitcom. You know, you think you're watching it for entertainment, but it's actually the building blocks for like your belief system. And you have to unlearn that later if you want to, if you don't want to keep that any longer. I mean, some people, maybe that's their motivation. But for me, I was like, yeah, I can't be thinking that my life is over at 30 because I still didn't do the things that I wanted to do. And so it was a real big turning point because I just felt like I hadn't really actioned on the things that I was really passionate about. Like I hadn't written the book that I wanted to write. I wasn't in the financial situation I wanted to be in. And instead of, you know, I spent some time feeling a lot of like shame and frustration about that. And then I was like, well, now what do I do though? Like I have to figure it out now. 
And what I started to realize was like, I had just gotten it all wrong. Like for example, with writing a book, I had thought that you have to sit down and feel like good enough the moment that you start writing. And until you feel good enough, don't even start, like don't even work on it. And I was like, wait a second, is that even correct? So instead of, you know, thinking about if I'm good enough, the moment that I sit down, I started thinking about just be consistent, like celebrate when I do things over and over and over and make it like make progress because that's what I had been missing. It's like I had done things like it was very sporadic and not consistent. And that was something that changed everything. I was like, wow, it's really like the not sexy work that you do behind the scenes that actually builds your confidence and makes you feel like you're doing something for yourself. Like instead of me writing something and thinking, is this going to be a New York Times bestseller? And are people going to like it? And am I going to sell this book? You sit down and you go like, it's just me and the page. I have to show up for myself and do this for me. Because what happened at 30 that was really interesting to me was realizing like, I still feel like a failure despite like, I own my own company. I have like done tons of different ventures. I was like, you know, doing very well with my writing. Like I I had bylines all over the place. And yet I still, I was like, Jamie, and then, you know, I can't keep going in my mind going, no, 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 no. It's when you publish a book, that's when you get to feel good. And then, okay. But then when you publish your next book and then when you do this, it's like, okay, so it's always in the future. And I'm tired of this. Like, how do I figure out how to like myself in the moment? And that's actually what happened with my book why I wrote Radically Content eventually is because I realized I was like, you can be content in the moment while still having big ambitions and big dreams. And that was something I didn't realize because I felt like at the time there was a lot of, it was like, that was the height of things kind of like with minimalism. So it was either you're like, super productive and you're reading this like listicle of like 10 ways to increase your productivity on medium. You know, you're just like, yeah, bro, like <laughs> yeah. let's increase it, yeah. you know? And let's then on the it. other hand, yeah. it's right. It's like, just own 20 things and like go live off the grid. And I was like, what? I don't want either of those things. Like these are two <laughs> these are so massive, ext- right. I don't want any of that. Um, and I was like, so how do you just like, you do your work you show up for yourself, but then you also have a life. Like, I don't want to be a workaholic. I'm not going to work till midnight every night and like grind it out. I'm not going to try to crush it. And it's so interesting because I started talking about this stuff, I think like 2018, 2019. And then in 2020, everyone was talking about productivity. And I was like, right. Oh, I've been like talking about not sacrificing your mental health for productivity for like two years. And that's when my writing started to really take off was like kind of 2020, 2021. And people were like, where have you been? And I'm like, I've been putting my writing out for like 10 years, you know, (laughs) but it just kind of hit. Right. I've been here a little inconsistently, but I've been here. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was a turning point in like figuring out a lot of like how I wanted to live. I guess that was, that was probably it. Like at 30, it was like, how do... I want to live versus how have I been told how to live? And I'm trying to like keep up with that. It was just more, I just switched to like, what do I think? What do I care about? How do I want my life to feel instead of why am I constantly trying to get like external validation 
and trying to make sure like, did I measure up today? Did I get it? Did I do a good job for everybody else? And it's like, I just want to look myself in the eye and say, you did a good job for yourself today. Like, that's it. That's all I care about. And, you know, now it's been so long that that's like kind of how I always live. But at the time, that was just not how I was living at all. And I think most of us don't even take a pause from going through this life and having that mental cycle to even ask ourselves that question of what do I actually want my life to look like? Not just what it looks like, but to feel like. Like very few of us actually have that check-in. So it's amazing that you kind of had that awakening moment of, of realization to check in. What are those tangible ways that you think you got there? Because obviously it's one thing for people listening to be like, oh my gosh, Jamie, I hear you. Like I, I see that I'm doing that. I'm in this race of like, I'm just trying to keep up with the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. How do they start to believe the things that you believe and check in consistently and actually live from a place of integrity for yourself and joy for yourself instead of that onto the next phase and what your life looks like? How do you do that? I know that's a big question, but any tips that helped you? I've always personally used journaling as a way to speak to myself. And I know for some people like that might not resonate, but I really don't think that you can communicate to yourself without journaling. And I feel like some people get in their head about it. They're like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a good writer. It's like, it's not supposed to be good. It's just supposed to be honest, right? And the best thing about journaling is you get to have a safe space to like express yourself and talk to yourself. Because as much as like it's wonderful to have a therapist, life coach, whatever you end up doing, at the end of the day, like you're the one that has to make your decisions and you're the one that has to live your life. And so there has to be a mechanism in which you can become self aware. Because if you're not self aware, it's really hard to know where you're operating from, you know, like what beliefs you're operating from. And I think it's a really important question to ask yourself, like, how do I really want my life to actually feel? Like, how do I want it to feel? Because really it does not matter how your life looks. It only matters how it feels. Like we all have that instance of recognizing that like my life looks really great out there to to other people but I actually don't feel that good. Like I think in any small or large ways, we have one instance, if not more, where that has been true over and over. And I think it's really important to just take a step back. And like that to me is just the overarching message of everything that I do, which is like, it's about how it feels over and over and over. It's just about how it feels to you. So if you, like, for example, if you're having the best time, like writing your books, And you don't have to care what they do in the world. Like you can, or you can, but you don't have to put as much pressure on it. And I just think like, if I get down to it, the only tangible way to figure that out is to journal because Mm -hmm. our brains get really like, they get really scrambled. And if we don't take the time out to really just assess and sit with ourselves, like, I know some people, they really like swear by meditation. For me, it's too passive. I'm not a good meditator. For me, like going on a walk in nature is a lot more meditative. So I wouldn't say like even the journaling has to look like what other people... Like my journals were not pretty. I mean, I would like rip the paper. I'd be so pissed. I'd have things going on, you know, like... And I think that was a really important part of the process. And so... I just like cannot think of something that would be more powerful than that. And also the other thing that really helps is like if you commit to something like journaling and you do that regularly, 
you're building the muscle of showing up for yourself. So it's like a dual purpose. You're learning things about yourself and you're building this habit that is showing you that you matter enough to show up for yourself for like five minutes a day, right? And it also allows you to not get stuck in like the overthinking in the mind because you have to slow down long enough to get something down on paper. And, you know, you can use journal prompts, you can use, and I know it's so funny because it's like journaling has become such a thing. And like, it's become a little bit like too commercialized on like TikTok and stuff. So I'm just like, it's not supposed to look a certain way. Now we've turned like self-care into looking another certain way, like a day in the life of being like a self-care girly. It's like, it's not for that. (laughs) So (laughs) true. Okay, fine. If you want to, yeah, if like you want to make it into an aesthetic, whatever, I'm not going to be like bah humbug about it. But really it's for you. It's not for other people. And so I just like cannot think of something more powerful than that. And it's like an, it's, it's an incomplete answer because unfortunately the only real answer is like, you have to get to know yourself. You have to understand yourself. If you're trying to look for someone to tell you, this is how you should live. This is what you should do every single day. Wake up at 5am, do this, do this, do this. You're still out of who you are and you're not trusting yourself. And like, I promise you, you have the answers. Like you already know, you already know. And you don't have to follow what someone else does. Like for me, I don't have like this long morning routine. I like, I journal a little bit in the morning. I either write like affirmations that are really powerful to me or I journal and that's it. Like I, I'm not going to bloat my life up with like, I'm on this like self-improvement, you know, journey for, for everybody else. I'm just like, I'm going to do the most effective thing that helps me the most. And that's it. And, you know, I have my walks and I do that. And like, I'm not trying to make it into an aesthetic, I guess. And so I just think it's really important to know how to connect back to yourself. And like I said, like, I just don't think there's anything more powerful than, than journaling, whether it's using prompts, whether it's using a guided journal to start because, you know, maybe facing a blank page is scary I mean, I used to just journal from being like, how do I feel today? What's going on today? And then I just go. And I also don't love when we have solutions to something like whether we're feeling disconnected from ourselves that require just more money being spent. I'm not a big like consumption person for that. So it's like, to me, I'm always trying to figure out like, what's your simplest way? And I'm not going to say like, you have to go and like buy a $300 yoga package or something like, I mean, do yoga if you want, but I'm just saying like the easiest thing is piece of paper and a pen and you're there, you know, like that's the actual path and it's daunting and it's not as easy as like people make it out to be, but it's very worth it so that you feel like you're living the life that you actually want and building the life you actually want instead of living based on someone else's belief and what they think you should be doing. And I think even just that question of getting honest with yourself, like really honest, what actually do I want my life to be rather than, I mean, a good example is like, okay, if someone wants a book on a New York Times bestseller list, amazing, but check in of like, do you want that? Because you want the external validation because that's going to impress your friends and family because like, why do you want that? Or 
maybe it feels really true for you. And you're like, I want that many people to be exposed to my work. And, but it's the honesty of where is the intention coming from? I think that check-in consistently is so, so freaking powerful. And I love that you bring up the aesthetic part too, because you, you're making me laugh. I'm thinking about like, and I'm the biggest hypocrite. I know. Cause I've posted these things too, but the people that are like, videotaping themselves meditating. And I always think there's no way that you are actually sitting there meditating, knowing there's this camera on you and you have to be aware that like your face isn't going weird. You know, like there's the shiny penny wellness on social media. That's like so obsessed with growth. What clicks for me so much about your work and what you're saying is that we've stopped the ability to think, what are we actually growing towards? I think that you make people get really honest with their end goal and like check in of like, why am I doing this? Why do I care so much? Why am I working so hard at this? Because when we see this on social media, we're so used to thinking, I have to have a really good morning routine. I have to work out 60 minutes every day. I have to do all these things. So I I love everything that you're saying. I, I know so many people are out there are gonna be like, hell yeah, Jamie, you're speaking to the soul. Do you think that there's more pressure in your life looking a certain way and kind of more focus on how your life looks for women? Oh, of course. I mean, we know that that's why, I mean, yeah, just look at TikTok. That's, it's all about now curating and um, having certain journeys look a certain way. Although I won't like throw all of TikTok away because I think people are being very honest and real there. I, I do think that there's a lot of good, really good things about TikTok to be, to be very frank. Like it, it's people, some of the things I see there, I'm like, wow, if someone had shared that like 10 years ago, that would have been really helpful to me. And I think for women, of course, there's always, always a, keeping up with an appearance and keeping up with an image. And I do think that that's shifting a lot, but every time things progress, there's going to be like a backlash to it. And so I do think we're in some sort of like weird transition phase where some people really want authenticity. Some people really want that like true connection. And some people are still trying to uphold an ideal aspirational image. And it's very like caught in the middle right now. And I, I do feel for that. I mean, of course I get caught up in stuff too. I mean, I'm not perfect. And I sometimes feel like, oh, maybe my life would be better if I did this or did that. Or, but I always come back to, I love that you were use the word intention. I mean, I have a course called live with intention because it's all so important to me to do things intentionally. You know, what you're saying about any like ambition, any aspiration, it's like, have it all. Do whatever you want. Have whatever you want, but like know why you want it. Don't fool yourself and don't lie to yourself about why you want certain things. Like it's all fine. You can want whatever you want. But when we're doing it to like impress other people and trying to get something from that experience externally, what I've found is like, again, going back to like the investment doesn't pay off. I don't think it feels as good. Like if we're doing something for ourselves and we truly are rooted in it and we're like, wow, that would just be like, I'm really excited for that. And that's my why. It really does feel very different than it's like, I'm doing this so that I hope that people think I'm worthy or that I'm keeping up with this person or, you know, seeing something on social media and going, oh, I need that because it's making me feel inadequate to not have it. It's like, well, be honest with yourself. I think there's just, 
a lot of times we're, we forget that like we're, we can tell ourselves how to think. And I mean, that sounds kind of crazy because it's like, no, these thoughts are going all the time. I can't like stop them. It's like, no, you can slow them down. You can slow them down and you can kind of parse out how you want to think. Like I think of my mind now as like, I get to curate how I look at myself, how I view things. I really think that we should be empowering people to do that. And we're still kind of upholding a lot of the same things, like looking a certain way, having a certain kind of achievement, having a certain kind of life. We're still upholding that while also feeling like, I don't think everybody wants that. And we don't have to have this like really narrow ideal of what it means to live like your best life. Anything that kind of like gathers steam, I try to just like, you know, throw it on its head. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, what's the, what's your best life then? You know, like I'm kind of confronting with, so what does that mean? Okay. So it's aesthetically pleasing is what you're saying. Like it's, it's the same, it's not living your best life. It's showing people that you're living your best life. And is that how you really want to live? Like, how did that really feel? And is that something like, I don't want to pass judgment on people. I think that's something that I, hope that my work really reflects is that I'm not trying to tell people how to live. I'm not trying to pass judgment on anything. Like, I think it all belongs. It's just like, do it for you, do it for you. Like, and I think that's a really important message for women because we do get very over, there's a lot of overstimulation of like who we're supposed to be at all times, always, you know, no matter how we identify. And it's just like, it can be very overwhelming. One of my favorite passages that that you've written is that piece about the best life that I hope you don't live your best life. I hope you live your freest life, your truest life. Like that was one of the ones that I have clearly like memorized because I like have written down, I've, I've thought about it so much. I've journaled about that. So I think that that's powerful. What do you hope that women listening strive for instead of striving for quote, the best life? What else should they be striving for? I mean, I just want women to feel very rooted in why they're doing the things they're doing. I want them to feel empowered by their own choices. I want them to know that like their opinion of themselves matter more to them than what the world thinks of them, that there's a lot of joy and happiness to have if you stop trying to be aspirational to people that, you know, maybe don't really aren't really being honest. You know, we see a lot of highlight reels. There's a lot of, unfortunately, there is a lot of posturing and dishonesty Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, for, for people that they feel afraid to show vulnerability, to show authenticity. There's a lot of, um, I guess, social capital that you can get from appearing perfect and unfazed and keeping up appearances. But I would love for women to know that like, there's just something better out there for like, when you're really doing things for yourself, when you're really honoring how you feel, when you're very like rooted in like, how does my life feel to me versus how is it looking to everybody else? Like there's something that you get to own, like you have ownership and agency over your life versus giving it away to everybody else to decide who you are and what matters and your worth. Like your worth isn't for other people to determine. It's for you to determine. I think we we are often told and disempowered of that truth that like 
your worth should be in the hands of like this magazine or this person or this influencer or this, that. And it's like, it's not, you're the one that has to hold on to it. And you're the one that has to build it. And you're the one that has to really like feed it. Like you, you can't be fed. Your worth is something like so intrinsically tied to who you are internally that like to think it gets fed by something out of outside of you is like, no wonder we're always hungry. Like we're always so hungry good. for worth. Yes. Yeah. It's like, cause it's never being fed in the place that it needs to be fed. So we're always like striving or trying to appear a certain way and it gets very confusing. And I just don't want women to waste time and waste. I, I mean, I think that sounds really intense, but it's like, I don't want women to waste time anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. it, you know, we have talent, we have potential, we have like things that are important within us that we need to share. And I don't want us to like keep hiding it and waiting to be ready when it's like, we just have to have the nerve to do it and have the nerve to say, I'm worthy. My voice matters. I belong. I'm, I belong to myself. If any, if, if I don't belong anywhere, I belong to myself. And, you know, then it's like, then that opens way to a lot of community and connection and vulnerability. Like, cause the relationship we have with ourselves is the capacity in which we can relate to others. There's, it's not the other way around. Like we think, okay, we're going to get it outside of ourselves and then it's going to click inside. It's like, it all starts with them. And that's like, if we can be vulnerable with ourselves, we can be vulnerable with others. If we can recognize our worth, we can see the worth in others. Like if we're not competitive, we can be, have more community. So I just think that that like inner healing journey and bringing it back within and saying like, what I need is not out there. It's really within and it's cultivating what's within me. And that's like such a powerful thing. I'm like, if I think about what the world would be like if women did that. <laughs> oh my God, be a different world. What the hell? It would be a vastly different world. Like it gives me chills if we all oh did God. that. Yeah. Game changer. I mean, so this is our Game call changer. to women everywhere. That This is our time. <laughs> this is our time. That's so powerful. All of these examples, I love the ones that you gave too about, about like if we stop being competitive, then we'll find community. Like those examples made me think of how many people out there are probably where you you were saying that you had felt at a certain point where I've certainly been at a certain point where we're like, I don't have enough love. I feel lonely. I feel like no one's supporting me. Like it's this constant feeling of lack where if it were to come internally and we were to provide ourselves what we need, then we could give more, but I think more comes back to us too. And, and we're aware of more. So I think everything you're saying is powerful because it's almost like anything we could possibly want, we actually can find within ourselves and give it to ourselves. And like, how freaking freeing is that to know that we can give ourselves everything we need? I mean, it's freeing. And it's also, I think like the reason we don't always acknowledge it is because it's kind of terrifying too. It's like, oh, that too. Yeah. Okay. I have a lot of <laughs> like, oh, power. Shit. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, God. Like, I guess. Yeah. Damn it. Um, I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I think that having all of that internally I think women think that's selfish, maybe, you know, we're, yes. we're we, and it's like, it's not selfish. It's completely okay for you to be a full cup and then everybody else gets your overflow. You know, like you don't have to be 
working with the bottom of the barrel and sacrificing yourself constantly to feel that that's because obviously like with women, a lot of women were taught that like sacrifice is our value. Like if we, it's told every time there's like a mother's day post, it's always like, she's the most self-sacrificing right. martyr of the world, you know? And it's like, I love that. Of course. I think we need to share the sacrificing load with some other people. There might be another group of people that would like to maybe make some sacrifices <laughs> too. Uh, sure. <laughs> won't name names, but you know, uh, <laughs> so that, w- that might be nice, but I, I think that it's wonderful to sacrifice. But if you're sacrificing from a totally empty cup, it's like, what do you drink? What do you, what do you eat? What do you have? I think that I've been always very passionate about that because I feel like I saw a lot of people growing up who were just giving and giving and giving a lot of women who were giving and giving and giving. And I was like, I just don't think it's selfish to give back to yourself and to have your own identity. I think it's like actually crazy that we've taught women to think that's selfish because like, as if carving out time in the day to like feed yourself and give something back to yourself and recharging is being like so self-involved and like, why should you? Right. It's like, I don't get that. I mean, I think that that should be celebrated. We should be making sure that that's, you know, in place and telling people that that's not just what they deserve, like as if you need to earn it. It's just like, it is, it is, you know? So, you know, I think that that's where things get a little sticky. You know, some, some people, they hear self-love and they're like, oh, that's selfish. And I'm going to like abandon everyone that I love. And it's like, no, you have more capacity to love. You have more capacity to give when you are full. Like, I don't think a lot of us realize how much we're giving from like a half, you know, an empty cup all the time. And so, you know, that's a very important part of, of my work. And I think for some people that's a little confronting and I understand that because we've been told differently of what our value and worth is in the in the world. Yeah, I, I see how that's challenging and it can feel scary to be like, wait, I whoa, this is so different from the belief system I've had all these years. But I think not only is it obviously essential for just our own well-being and for us to be able to like live our fullest lives, but also I think when we do actively prioritize again, like quote, like bare minimum, like just taking care of ourselves, filling our cup. We give other women the freedom to do that for themselves. Like I think of like, you know, mothers who are like the typical, like they're so selfless. They do everything and like so amazing. That's such a wonderful quality that I don't want to negate, but then they're raising daughters mostly also who think that in order to love other people, they have to sacrifice themselves. So showing up by example, whether it's your children, friends, family, partner, whatever. I think us being able to prioritize ourselves can only show other people how to prioritize themselves too. So like, it's a win-win for everybody. That's what I think. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I can only think of a group of people who would be benefiting from women, not thinking that they're allowed to have their own time and their own life and their own thoughts. And it's like, I think that that would be better for all of us, but there's obviously like, I mean, even just not even speaking like 
men in general, but just like looking at a magazine or something of like, if women were taught to like think for themselves, there's a lot of products we just would not buy. (laughs) There's a lot of things that we just would not buy into. Um, But, you know, we, we are very like... I've taken a lot of marketing classes and I don't think women realize how big of a market women are. Like they're a big, they spend more money than anyone else because a lot of it is spending on the promise of improvement. And something that I talk about a lot is like, we're not just like constant self-improvement machines. Um, It's great to be uh, you know, prioritizing growth. It's great to want to be better. It's it, all of those things are wonderful, but when it's kind of like just a race and you can never slow down because you're not really listening to yourself, I think that's when it gets into like, is this really helping or hindering? Right. And to teach women that like you shouldn't think for yourself, you shouldn't need time for yourself, you shouldn't want to have a life outside of your relationships and all the things that like, it's like, that's not good. Women need to be able to be like cultivate their own relationship with themselves. That needs to matter. And that it, that does matter. Um, that's something that has always mattered to me. And I just like always want to encourage women to know that that's like a very important part of like being human and being on this earth is like, you're supposed to know yourself. Like you're supposed to value yourself. And it's not a privilege. It's not a thing that's only reserved for certain people. It's for all women. And I wish that this was something that was just already clear because men already get that. They grow up thinking that. So obviously, like, what's the difference? (laughs) You know, it's just we are taught to think differently. Um, We're taught to be the ones that are the supporting characters in other people's lives and be the silent helpers that bolster them. And what about us? Who bolsters us? And that self-identity is almost like a frivolous thing instead of the essential thing that it actually is. Right. And then we reduce like self-care to like, it's a face mask. And it's like, ooh, it's a lot more than that. Which again are things you could be marketed to to convince you that you need to get better skin, right? Like that that's actually not self-care. That's like what you said about marketing is kind of like blowing my mind right now. And so now everything I'm like, was my my green juice on my table? Like, was that marketing to make me feel like I'm not enough as I am? I'm spiraling. I'm gonna spiral. But it, I think that it's <laughs> so essential to have those conversations of like, am I gonna like, okay, let's take my green juice. It's on my table am I going to like so enjoy the experience or is it another tool that I'm trying to use to be better because I don't feel worthy as I am? Like, I feel like every small thing we could probably ask that question about. Yeah. And you can then come to the conclusion of like, no, I just like it. And then yeah. you're like, cool. It, And then you enjoy it in a really uncomplicated way. It doesn't so mean true. I'll never have green juice. And did, like, I think that's why people get afraid of like, looking at things. Cause then it's like, well, now I'm just not going to have anything that I look forward to. It's like, no, I like do your face masks, do your skincare, do your green juice, do all your things, like know why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for some other reason, that doesn't really feel in alignment to you, to you, doesn't matter what anyone else is doing to you. Then you just go, you know what, this isn't important to me. And like, for me, finding out something that 
I've been told to want, but is actually truly not important to me at all, is like the best news ever. I'm like, oh, one less thing to, to give a shit about. Like what? Do you have an example? I mean, the big one is probably, I feel like I'm such a meditation hater, but I'm not. I just like, <laughs> I had this moment where I was just like, it's not for me. You know, like it's not my thing. It doesn't benefit me. And that is really lovely to figure out. Or like, yeah, there's certain things like that just, I don't want to buy into. Like, I don't care. And living in LA, there's just, you could buy into everything. But, you know... Oh my God, everything. Yeah, there's so many ways that you can feel like you're, you know... I mean, for example, there's an air wand up the street. And I'm like, this does not do for me what it does for other people of like, I get to shop at air wand. I'm just like, <laughs> why is it $20 for strawberries? That's so stupid. So true. I'm going away from here. You know, <laughs> but like some people, they love that experience. Right. I'm not here to tell you what not to do. But when I find out that like, buying $20 strawberries does not do anything for me. I'm like, cool. That's one less thing for me to even care about or think about. And that's so lovely to me. I love finding that out. Yeah. It's like always taking intel on what's true for me, knowing it's going to be different from everybody else. I think that's like the most powerful tool exercise. Pivoting like a little bit, but I'm just very curious your thoughts on manifestation, especially like it being so huge right now. I feel like you are the perfect person to ask. I know, for example, like you wrote on your website that you are completely and fully living your dream life while also being able to actively enjoy it, which by the way, I love that line of just like the awareness of like, yes, dream life, great, but like to you actually are enjoying every second of it. And that's the part that matters. But what are your thoughts on manifestation? And is it something that you you see in line with the message that you're sharing or something that maybe people get misunderstood? Yeah, so manifestation, I'm a big fan, but not in the way that people share about it because there's a step that's always missing. Ooh. In the things that are being shared, there's always a step that I'm like, it's the most essential step. Okay, so for me, manifestation is step-by-step process. You identify something that you want. Okay. And then you hold the belief that you can have it and you act as if you have it. But what's going to happen inevitably is there's going to be a ton of things that are going to come up subconsciously, usually, that are your blocks to the belief that it could happen. So those blocks are going to come up. They're going to say, you know what? You want this amount of money? Okay, but I don't think you deserve it. And it's going to actually make your life worse because rich people do this and da-da-da-da-da. Like all these blocks are going to come up. And what we do, what manifestation on this like very simplified version just says like, no, just keep believing, just keep believing. And it's like, no, you actually have to clear those blocks out. Like that's where the self-awareness comes in. That's where the journaling comes in. That's where this all comes in where you say, well, wait, I think I don't deserve to have this. I think it's not my, my true belief, even though I'm trying to change it, my true belief is saying you don't deserve this. So I have to look at the belief that's saying I don't deserve this. And I have to start shifting that. I have to chip away at it. I have to start going, why don't I think I deserve it? Oh, well, I grew up like this and I was told this and I think this and I think this. And I have to start like almost like if you, okay, so the visual I have. So you have an idea for something you want to manifest, but there's like a brick wall in front of it. And what manifestation teaches is like, just keep running at the brick wall. 
just keep running at it and believing that one day you're just going to go through the brick wall. And then people go, well, manifestation's crap and this is stupid and it's da-da-da-da-da. But actually what you're supposed to be doing is, okay, so there's a brick wall. You've got to one by one methodically take away the bricks that are in the way. The brick that says, I don't deserve this. This doesn't happen to people like me. Uh, my In the past, this I wanted this and it didn't happen. So I have to look at this and I have to look at this and I have to look at this. And then there's a wide open space for it to come through. The reason that some of these things kind of work, you know, it's like, okay, so like the lucky girl syndrome. I love that because it's getting you kind of like primed, but there's not a ton of like, it's not that big of a manifestation that you're going to have a ton of blocks to it. You know, it's kind of fun. It's like, Ooh, I'm a, I'm lucky. And so you're like, Ooh, I, I found like a $20 bill or something. That's cool. But then when we start getting into like, I would like to manifest a book deal. It's like, Ooh, okay. Well now there's da, 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 da. now all the bricks start building. Right. And people go, well, manifestations crop because I'm hitting all these bricks. But it's like, that's actually the most essential part of the process because it's showing you, it's like a curriculum. It's like, it's showing you, here are the things that you have to learn. And here are the things that you have to clear out, the limiting beliefs that you have to clear out so that this manifestation can just really come true. And we've, and I feel like people have examples of that working in the past where like, you know, they get, they have an idea for something that, then it takes a while for it to come true because they had to clear out stuff. And it's like, that is the process. You can, you can make it faster if you're willing to do that like self-awareness work. Like every time I get an idea for something and I, cause I strongly believe in manifestation, I also know there's going to be the opposite to it. There's going to be all the opposition and the bricks that come in. And I'm like, all right, I know. Okay. You know, like, I got to work through this. I got to look at it. I got to try to understand what's kind of in my way. Like the whole year in 2021, when I knew I got a book deal and I was simultaneously writing it and working through all my blocks to success at the same time. Yeah. And so, so when I say I'm living my dream life and enjoying it, I mean, enjoying it in the sense that like I'm present for it. I'm aware of it. It's not always perfect. But at least I'm like actively in it and I'm alive to it. And that means like challenges come up. So yeah, I feel like with manifestation, we just really don't hit, like we simplify it a little bit too much. And maybe people who are teaching it, I don't know, some of the really good teachers, they do talk about how like you have to remove the blocks and it's all part of the process. Um, Because I mean, even like Abraham Hicks um, and Esther Hicks, she's a, you know, law of attraction. Esther is like a really big teacher with this. If you really listen, she talks a lot about how if you send an idea or a manifestation and you try to match the vibration to it, but you have too much opposing vibration, you have to work at that. You have to actually, and, but people don't, you know, they want, they want the quick fix. So we get the simplified version of manifestation of like, just, just believe, just believe and it'll show up. And it's like, make your vision boards. And yeah, like I'm to the point now where I realize that when I get an idea of something, like when a desire comes into my life, that's the manifestation already coming true. So I already have the desire. I then have to follow 
all the steps, like I have to take inspired action. I have to say, when my, when my intuition says, go to that coffee shop, I have to go. And when it says you have to sit down and be disciplined and write the damn thing, like you don't get to have a best selling book if you don't write the book. Like you have to sit down, you have to clear your channel, you have to be, you have to do the things that are calling you to do them. So it's like, I know that now, so I can kind of speed up the process. But I think it, when things get too simplified and easy, it's like we should always be skeptical of things that are positioned as easy because. Not really much is easy Good point. in life. Yes. Yeah. So if like, if someone's saying it's so easy, you should be like, mm, I want this to be true because I love things that are easy, but it's, it's not going to be that way. Like even someone that I really admire and I look up to, she's a big money manifester, big teacher. Her name is Amanda Francis. She talks a lot about how like anytime she wants to manifest something that's up-leveling, she has to work through all her blocks and fears to that. Like it cannot just be, yeah, like she's like, I can't just go to the next level. I have to work through it all. But people only, you know, sometimes, like I said, I mean, I'm repeating myself a million times, but I think it's it's so true that it gets really simplified and people stop at that. They go, oh, that seems easy. I can do that. And it's like, oh, but there's a lot more that goes into it. I mean, when I get like the manifestation, which to me is now like the desire, I now know that's like the start of the journey. And the bare minimum is like, oh, I believe that I can have that. And then I have to then do the work. I have to show up. I have to be consistent. I have to be disciplined. I have to listen to my intuition. I have to do all the things that I do throughout my daily life that clears the channel for me to listen to my intuition. I have to be present. I have to be aware. I have to look at the limiting beliefs that are like, it's, you know, it's a whole thing versus just tomorrow it'll come true. Which is so true. It's like people are focused on, again, going back to like the growth that they're not looking at the healing vehicle that will actually get them there. They're just looking at the end result. And I think that's so powerful that definitely a lot of people are missing. What is your process on like the quote work? Like I, I like if for your book, like, and you said that you have to do a lot of healing to go through the, the limiting beliefs. Is that just going back to the journaling of like looking into, do I really think that I can do this? Why do I not? Where are doubts coming from? And it's going back to the journaling or what do you do? I mean, it's partly journaling. I now do have like I remember having a lot of conversations with my friends, with my husband. I mean, I think at this point, because I'm so honest, that's why, but that's why I recommend journaling to start because some people don't feel comfortable telling the truth to their people. They're, they're not even at the place where like sharing with their friends or family would be beneficial because if you share with the wrong person, it can really if you share with a person that shuts you down, like it can really cause a lot of harm. So I always recommend journaling to start. But now I do, I have people in my life now that I can really talk to. And I mean, I just, when I go on my walks, I can really, I have a dialogue with myself. I have a true relationship with myself where I can hear my own thoughts. It doesn't scare me. You know, that's why I do say the starting with the journaling because it's like a gentler way. But now it's very easy for me to be like, all right, Jamie, what, what's going on? You know, like, what do you, what bullshit are you on today? You know, it's like, yeah. let's get it out. It doesn't like, so you were literally talking to yourself kind of and having, yeah, like in my head. Really. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, things that are coming up. And, you know, I remember before I started writing my book over the summer of 2021, I was in absolute like total fear free fall. I was like, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be, it's not going to work. And then I just had to have that conversation with myself where I was like, you just sit down and you do it. Like, that's all you need to focus on. You're going to edit it. You're going to work on it. You just have to sit down and trust that it's all like, you don't have to know exactly how you're going to do it. You just have to sit down and trust that it's going to come through. And, you know, I had to clear out the beliefs that were like, no, that's never going to happen. And da, 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 like all that stuff. And you're going to fail. And this is, you're going to let everyone down. And, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, we're not going to buy into this because I know that actually sitting down and thinking, I need to prove all of these thoughts wrong is the worst way for me to sit down and write a book. I just have to sit down and be like, you have two hours to write today. Just do it. And then, you know, and then I would have to, like, after I wrote in the morning, the rest of the day, I would spend like recharging, getting ideas, letting the the ideas marinate and things like that. And that was all because I was just working through my own beliefs about things and trying to figure out how I can make this process enjoyable. Because I also think like when you really get to know yourself, you can set intentions. Like for me, the intention for writing the book was I was like, I want to enjoy writing this book. Yeah, I had yes. seen a lot of people, you know, writers, it's really funny. So my, my older brother is a songwriter and a producer. People enjoy making music. Like it's a cornerstone of doing music is like, it's fun, right? But for some reason with writers, like who work on books and stuff like that, it's supposed to be miserable. I'm like, why can't it be the same thing? Like, yeah, I'm like, why do I have to have this be like, yes, there are challenging points for sure. But my intention was, I was like, I'm not going to do this book unless I enjoy it because I'm not gonna do something that takes this long for it to be published, takes this long for things to happen and just hate the whole process and then hope that what it does in the world and how it performs and the results make up for how miserable it was to write it. And I was like, I don't think people want the book that I would write miserable. Why would I write that? So true. (laughs) So I just, these are things that, you know, I say to myself, like, Obviously, I don't speak it out loud. I'm not like nuts or, you know, (laughs) whatever. People can do what they want. But I say it in my head. You know, I have these talks with myself where I'm like, and I kind of treat myself like I have a relationship in a sense. I'm like, all right, what are you, what are you going on about? Like, what's your, what's your freak out? (laughs) Yeah. Like, like I'm my friend, you know, I'm my own friend. And I'm just like, and I'm not a bullshitter friend and I'm not a sugarcoating friend. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's get this, let's figure it out. And I think that's really helpful. I mean, it started because I journaled though, because I was able to tell the truth, but now it's kind of, I have a shorthand now, which is a lot easier. Yeah. You can kind of access that quicker. Exactly. I think too, besides even just, well, I think it's all part of the same thing, but what you just said about enjoyment, which is kind of like full circle. That's exactly kind of what we started. This is like, what's the point? But I think that that is a huge piece of manifestation. And that's really making me think of like, how much more would we quote manifest what we want? If we actually asked ourselves, how can I enjoy this more? Cause that is the purpose. So then we're like matching that energetic frequency, but more importantly, 
why even manifest something to begin with to not enjoy our lives more? Like that's the point of it all. So I think that question alone too will be so powerful to people to ask, how can I enjoy this more? If it's writing a book, how can I enjoy this more? If it's working out because you're trying to manifest a, you know, more fitness or whatever, how can I enjoy this more is so powerful. Like that's, oh, Jamie, that's so I good. mean, that question will literally change your life because you'll figure out all the creative ways to enjoy something. Like even if, you know, like, you have to cook dinner. It's like how I think when I cook dinner, I'm like, how can I enjoy this more? Cause I, I hate cooking. So I'm like, how can I enjoy this more? And I'm like, Oh, I'll put on like my favorite playlist and I'll dance around or I'll listen to a podcast or something. And people already do that. But if you frame it as like, I'm doing this to intentionally enjoy this activity more like then that leaks into everything else. You're like, how do I just add like little pockets of enjoyment into my day. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be particularly hard to access. You just, you know, I mean, I, I even think of like working out as a perfect example. I'm like, why do we, there's so many ways to get exercise, but yet we always choose the thing that we like hate the most. Like always just do the thing you like, right? Like just, it's so easy. Yeah. Like just figure out maybe what you like and how you like to move your body and just do that instead of like i went on the i went on instagram and i saw that someone was doing it this way and they have the body that i want so i need to do it that way and it's like actually are they enjoying it like are you enjoying it is that that has to matter to you i don't think you get a life full of joy if you don't enjoy the process of building it everything you say it, it's it seems so like of course like duh but it's but yeah. no one thinks this way. Nobody in our world is teaching these things and thinking this way. So everything that you do, I hope if people are not following Jamie, please go out there and follow her because (laughs) what you write is amazing. I I had so many other of my favorite passages of yours that I wanted to quote back to you and ask you about, but of course we ran out of time already, which is of course to be expected because you have so much good stuff Mm -hmm. to say. Um, We're going to wrap up real quick with some rapid fire questions. First one, the biggest difference between your 20s and 30s? Self-love. Love it. So much more self-love. Yeah. A song or movie you put on when you want a happiness boost? Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I listen to Harry Styles. Great one. It's a good like, yeah. get you in the mood, get, makes you want to dance. Yeah. He's my favorite. He's a, he is light incarnate. Like he is, he is happiness. Yeah. Honestly, like- soul. Let's all be more like Harry Styles. I think that that's... I mean, the world would be a lot better if we were. (laughs) It sure would. It sure would. One of my favorite passages of yours, if not the favorite passage, because I also like wrote this in the caption of my birthday post this year. Like I love this passage is find a way to fall in love with your life so intensely that watching another person love theirs is a confirmation, not a threat. The rest of this passage is so good. I've shared to my Instagram many times. (laughs) If people want to read the whole thing... But what is your number one tip to help people out there fall unbelievably in love with their life? Figure out who you are. Like, know, get to know yourself. You cannot love someone unless you know them. And like, just think of when you fall in love with someone else, you get to know their details, get to know your details, get to know what matters to you and like fall in love with yourself in that way. Like you matter 
So get to know who you are and really listen to yourself. Because like, what is love if not honoring and listening to the person? Like that, that is love. I love that so much. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Let us know where we can find you on Instagram, your book, your website, all the details. All the socials is at Jamie Varen. You can get everything at my website, jamievarin.com. Um, my book is called Radically Content. There's a companion journal to my book coming out um, in a month. And then I have a novel called Main Character Energy coming out in the fall. So lots of ways to engage with my writing and my work. I can't wait for Main Character Energy. It Like what a great oh. title too. I can't wait. I know. I know. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today and all of your wonderful insight and advice. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Evergirl Podcast on Instagram or theevergirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.